Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Let me talk! Let me talk! Let me talk! Hello, welcome to the first episode of Let Me Talk Details. This is a respite from the weekly whirlwind of top flight football. It's a space to break down the big picture topics and get into the details away from the game-by-game analysis. It's also a platform for you to get involved. We'd love to hear from you, so email hello at lmtpod.com if you've got questions, thoughts or general ponderings about City or football in general. Now, this is the shortened version of our show, so if you'd like to hear more in-depth and without the ads, then you can sign up through Memberful. Just head over to lmtpod.com for details on how to do that. I'm David Mooney. Sam Lee is with me. Hello. Let's talk about the treble, Sam, because in terms of coverage, I, I know it's very sketchy ground to start asking journalists to talk about journalist coverage, but there's been a lot of talk as if City have already won it. Yeah, I think the thing that gets me as well is not just that they've already won it, which is incredible, but that they've already won it in a certain way. That Because the comparison's been made to Man United's treble, which had a lot of late comebacks and you know rough around the edges, all that kind of stuff. Which like undeniable like sport and drama, you can't argue with that. And what about seventy points in the league or something? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's true. But it, I, I think people kind of. I think that's one of the people's issues with City, isn't it? That other glory is like flawed and harder to work for, whereas this is easy because money. And you know we'll have this conversation loads, maybe even maybe even right now. But you know, for me, Guardiola when City beat Fulham the other week, and Guardiola was sat on the steps like rubbing his head at Fulham before the game. He was stressed, man. Like, okay, people non-City fans listening to this, watching this, might think. What you're talking about, it's easy. But that's that's how deeply this has seeped into people's brains. Yeah. That just because, well, because of money, it's just easy. And City can do everything easily. And therefore, that it's sterile and it's not an achievement. But kind of assuming that City have won the treble already before playing like Real Madrid, like Man United in, the, in a cup final, which, you know, Man United aren't great anymore. But City fans are worried about that cup Things final. Things happen. The way, that, the way they do it, like, oh, yeah, it's going to be sterile. Or like, it is sterile. And it's like, well, recently they played amazing football on the break with Haaland scoring loads of goals but like in recent history the last game of last season they were 2-0 down to Villa with what like half an hour left 25 Less, minutes 20 left minutes, yeah. like that's that's the kind of drama that objectively everyone wants to see well, you know, people don't necessarily want City to do it but that is there there is that fun element there but it's just that it's just the element of well this is all done now and it doesn't compare to this that happened 20 what, years ago. What do you think of the idea, and Nadam, this kind of goes for you as well, of the idea of that it's not for you. 
It's for City fans. Like the drama is there for City fans. If you, if, it's fine to not enjoy it, but it's like you don't have to. It's, it's yeah, not you, your club. Uh, yeah, as a fan of a team, though, you'd want someone to appreciate what it is. You know what I mean? Like it's hard for people to just talk about something that you hold so dearly in a negative manner or to disregard it as such. Because I think it's it's the equivalent of like seeing a team at the end of a journey and to assume that the journey there has been really easy because ultimately, like I hold my hands up. I don't watch every game every week, not to do with City, but like Premier League overall. But I might see that Villa have won their last five games or whatever. Those five games might have been absolute dogfights. But someone will then assume they're going to win the sixth game if they haven't watched the previous five. And I think that's the sort of fan experience as such because you have a better sort of idea of what it's taken to get to this point and you've heard everything along the way. You've like, been through every, exactly. every moment you've of lived, every game. You've yeah. lived every single one of those. And that's the Guardiola thing. Like Guardiola you, knows how much of a battle exactly. it is to keep top players at their best exactly. for like three, four, five years. And, he know, and he's managed so many games. He knows as well. Say like after a game, the players might be exhausted. You might see someone sitting at the back of the bus like knocked out because of the amount of games that they've yeah. played in recent times and you're hoping that person will have just about enough to be ready for the next game and hopefully play well enough to give them the opportunity to win. Like the game against Fulham, most people that didn't watch it will see City 1-2-1 and think that it was just like a, it was an easy game. But City didn't play near their best, I thought. And in the second half, you know, Fulham were very much on the front foot, even though they didn't really produce that much to sort of test Edison. The game wasn't comfortable for City fans, but for some people to see the result and assume that it was. And I think that's the difference because those people have opinions, just like the people who say went down to the stadium, for example, and have seen the previous 50 games that City have played in. And the talk of, you know, they're going to win the treble, going to do this. I think firstly, some people, some people, and I stress it's not many, but some people in the back of their mind, they'd like for it to not work out because then that's a bigger story. It's a bigger story that City don't win the treble than City do. So as a consequence, they tee up at this point, whereas for other people, they talk about the journey. And when you talk about the journey, you talk about how good it could be if they do do it. And that's a different sort of feel to the same point being made, essentially. Really. Is that a movement of the goalposts in the sense of, obviously City are going to achieve this, therefore it was easy? Do you know what I mean? Yeah. If they don't achieve it, it's like, well, oh, they, they, they failed. Yeah. If you put this it amount would, of money yeah. into a club, then this will happen. Yeah, it's like a dumb argument because it's never been football. Because at the end of the day, it's still 11 versus 11. Mm. And you can have all the talent in the world, but it doesn't guarantee success the same way money doesn't itself. Like, they've spent money on the squad that they have. All those players also, like, they win games because they work exceptionally hard. You know, whether it's a case of, you know, running back, running forward, using the skill that they have. Because the other 11 players are also Premier League players. You know, it's not coincidence. The teams are playing. It's not like the third round of the FA Cup where they're playing, like, Kurz and Ashton. They're playing legitimately good sides who in any moment, like as was the case with the Vinicius goal on the weekend, like you're slipping for a second, bang, there's a goal. It's 1-1. The game's in a different position. City aren't cruising anymore. I hate it, but some people want to say it because they want to assume that it's easy, but it's because they're part of the results culture, not like the process yeah, culture. Yeah. The, you know this what I mean? Is, yeah, so I tweeted this like recently around the kind of, when the treble stuff started really picking up after City beat Arsenal, I tweeted it because like, it's a good example. Like my Twitter, like through the, the algorithms and the For You section or whatever, there's loads of like, tactics guys coaches with actual like coaching badges who know what it's like to stand up in front of 20 men women whatever and elite say players, i yeah. want you to do this on yep. the pitch whether they're elite or not because yeah okay in some cases having elite players makes it easier mm. in other cases not so much because if they've got certain expectations and a manager goes in there that doesn't meet those expectations like chelsea. let's say yeah chelsea david moyes at man united rafa benitez at real madrid they play a different type of football you don't really last like yeah. six months with all of those examples, really. Mm. And then maybe even you do win. But then I remember when Guardiola left 
Bayern Munich, the players were like, oh, thank God for that. Like, mm. This guy was way too intense. They loved Carlo Ancelotti coming in because he was more relaxed. Mm. I think they won the league. And then after like a few months of the second season, players like Philip Lahm, I think, and Robin, they were getting like, they were doing extra intense sessions on their own that they organised because it was too relaxed. Yeah. And then they ended up getting Ancelotti sacked or Ancelotti ended up getting sacked anyway. And it's like, that's Carlo Ancelotti now that we look at as just one of the latest in the line of great managers at Real Madrid to do what they need to do. And he's like a vibes guy and everyone loves him. But it's like, he came in at Bayern Munich with that kind of dressing room culture. And I couldn't tame it at all. They were doing their own thing behind their back. And like Guardiola had to go there. People say, oh yeah, well he did this in the Bundesliga. When he agreed to go to Bayern Munich, Dortmund were like top of the league. I think they just got to the Champions League final before that. There was a real threat there with Klopp's Dortmund. And then he had to go in under that. Obviously, by the time he actually took over, they'd won the treble yeah. by him. So <laughs> he was held to that standard. But it was like, again, you're held to the standard by players who have gone, well, the guy before won us the treble. So what are you going to do? Mm. And what he did was, well, we're going to change how you play entirely in a completely un-German way. We're going to change the culture in Germany and at this football club, and you're going to like it. And when I'm gone, you're going to miss it. Just thought of uh, the damned United, and uh, you can take all your yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. medals and chuck them in the bin because you've not won them fairly. You, you didn't yeah. have enough possession. But then it's like, yeah, so you see all these guys, tactics guys, coaches, they know what it's like. They appreciate that process. That, you know, if City play that way, you know, if City play 30 passes around the back and Ruben Diaz puts his foot on the ball and he gives it to Edison and then they give it back. And then at the right moment, they get into Rodri and Rodri turns it around the corner to De Bruyne and De Bruyne gets it straight down the wing to Mares or Bernardo Silva or he goes straight through the middle to Haaland. That is a process that is perfect because they've all waited. They've, you know, Ruben Diaz is not like one of the best defenders in the world on the ball in terms of his ability to use it, but he's one of the bravest because knowing that, knowing he's... Not limited, but you know what I mean. He's not Laporte, he's not John Stones. But he's brave because he'll hold on to it all day until he's closed down and then he'll know where to pass it. And then if the other guy got the right pass on, he'll go back to Edison. Edison obviously will just stand there for as long as need be. The Liverpool example last season when he nearly went in, he didn't care. It's all to build this goal. He's got these top players to do what they're supposed to do. That's why they look so good. All the people who know what it takes to put a team together to be on the grass with top footballers... They appreciate that. And then you've just got journalists and fans of other clubs who go, oh, well, it's money. So, yeah. And they just overlook that completely and go, well, they win, they do this, and it's easy. It's, yeah. And it's just like, this is what I mean earlier. So that, that point of view is so entrenched in people's minds mm. that us saying this will be like, we're aliens. Yeah, it's distinctly lacking perspective because one thing that I've seen throughout the years, this City of Guardiola and whatever, is that like most players I know who are playing currently would love to play in that system. They'd love to get the chance to play that type of football but still everyone from the outside is calling it sterile. Like, is it sterile because they keep the ball? Like, most players want to play in a team that keeps the ball. When you're in a team that not, doesn't touch it for 10 work, minutes. It's not as hard work, is it? When you're in a team that doesn't have it for 10 minutes, like, that's that's not fun. More often than not, in the Premier League, you'll find players who look at their other teammates and say, try and pass the ball, get the ball down, let's move it, let's attack well. That's what City do. It's because it's, they're so good at it. Yeah, but, it's, then, but the, it's frustrating. It's because they're so good at it, it looks sterile, because it's so good and it's so perfect. Why is it so good and it's so perfect? Loads of people say money. But it's we say that. Guardiola. Yeah, and the reason and I say why. that is the, the players themselves are very, very good and they have the capacity to be coached. But it's the nature of the coaching itself because stop me if I'm wrong, but City's starting 11. I don't think they're the 11 best players in the Premier League. Like if you were to do a combined Premier League that 11. That was another article recently. It was like, is any player in any of the other Premier League teams getting into City's team? And it was like, Listen, oh, no, no, no. We're talking, <laughs> I think when you say get in, getting into City's team, that's when you put it into perspective in terms of like, how they, they play. play for this team. Yeah. yeah, exactly. But if you think about 11 players that were to be drafted as being the Premier League's best 11. Now, I hate this question because 
Who's the manager? Who's, man- who's managing and what setup are they playing? Let's just let's let's keep it extra simple and just say you. the best defenders, the best You're midfielders, manager. and the best forwards. I'm manager. God how, help him. How many people would say Edison's the best goalie in the Premier League? I don't think he is. That's so, why I mean, City fans don't think it themselves. Yeah, I'd probably pick Allison. But he gets a lot. He's on the ball for City a lot. Yeah, he's perfect for City. You look at say the back line they've been playing. Nathan Ake. How many people would say he's the best left centre half, left wing back, whatever? Not many people. You say Ruben Diaz. People say, oh, he's in the conversations in the top five or whatever. Manuel Akanji. How many people are going to say he's like not how good a season he's had? How many people would say he's one of the best defenders yeah, yeah. in the league he's not getting in the team of the year even if they win the exactly this year. but again this I mean it, it speaks he's to played what, more games than anyone else a exactly. lot of percentage of minutes yeah it speaks to what Guardiola says all the time about how he picks his defenders though he's like I want this player for this job yeah. I want this player for it this says that job for all the, about all the players like most people wouldn't even like think about throwing Grealish into like a best team or whatever and then Gundogan City's captain most people wouldn't even think about bringing him to their club when he's out of contract this summer how many fan bases were like, oh, we'd love you to, we'd love to sign him? So it's not, it's not going to be many. Yeah, yeah, yeah. As, as mad as that may seem, it's I not going to be many. I don't know if this is a major hot take, but I think there's plenty of City fans who wouldn't put him in City's best eleven. And yet, just because they love Bernardo Silva, but Bernardo Silva for how he plays probably doesn't fit into many people. Doesn't mm. suit as many people's eyes. You think either? Well, that's why when there's always like these combined 11s when City play Liverpool over like over the years or Arsenal now, like City's wingers. Whether it was Mares or Bernardo Silva, like Grealish last season, they're never really in it no. because it was Mane, Salah, Saka, Martinelli, because they're the kind of flying they're not, wingers they're not the explosive, that people yeah. like. Whereas Guardiola's hold on a minute, can you just run to this point and then bring it back and pass it back <laughs> to someone else? Yeah, yeah. It's, it's basically like it's crap, and there are some people who, as I say, they see the outcome but don't really care about the journey. That's so that's the whole. That's why it all boils yeah. down to. But the ones who see the journey understand it. Like I know myself, any TV show, whatever I'm on, and some people start talking about the treble. I don't like talking about it because in all the games I've seen City play, there's always an element of jeopardy. The Arsenal game was one of the few times where, like, for the majority of it, it didn't feel that dangerous. But yeah. it's because Arsenal were exceptionally poor. And I think in terms of game City will play between now and the end of the season, all of the teams will offer more threat than Arsenal did that day. I think Arsenal played into City's strengths. But say, for example, the game I'm dreading the most, as wild as this may be, it's like Brentford away last game of the season. Because it's literally going to be so much jeopardy in that. They're playing at home, their final game after an amazing season. And we saw what Tony did to City in November time before they went away for the World Cup. And, and the two pitch- games against Brentford last year were awful. Exactly. And you think about, say, West Ham have been terrible this year, but they're really good on set pieces. So all of a sudden, that's jeopardy. Can you defend those set pieces properly? And then the next game, against Leeds fighting for their lives, conceding so many goals at the minute. But you know, at some point, they'll have a spell. But when you just see a result, you don't see the spell. When you're part of the highlights culture, or you see the goals that City score, and you won't really see the chances or the sort of threat that the opposition have. I always think of the Brighton game earlier in the season, oh, where you look at the result, 3-1 City, it's yeah, an easy really win. No win. That, yeah. It was not no an easy win at that. all. Not even close. And to be honest, that game for me is quite significant because... That was when City had to go longer in the game and they weren't good at it. Mm. Whereas I think in the last few weeks they made adaptations and the ball will go up to Haaland and it doesn't always stick, but there's always someone coming in underneath it to try and take the ball. So, yeah, the, the treble talk, I think Guardiola answered it perfectly and I think Sam sent me this a few weeks ago. He said, you can only talk about the treble when you've already won the first two trophies. Until you've won something, it's not a treble that's on the cards. It's just you're in three competitions. If they win the Premier League, bang. If it's the FA Cup final and they win that, done spend the next week talking about treble because that's a factual thing. All the rest of it is just theoretical because they're still first, they're not even there. Like we're talking about treble, they've got to play Real Madrid twice. 
in the Champions League. They've got to play, is it six league games more? And they know that if they win five or whatever, they've done it. But if they win five more games, say, from this point, doesn't that mean that they've won, like, was it 17, 18 Premier League games in a row or something like that? Do you think that's realistic? Because hmm. I don't. But it's the sort of run that, I mean, heading into this run that they're currently on, I didn't see it coming no. when it started. I mean, you, inconsistency is a weird thing anyway because you never know when it's over until yeah. it is over. But they spent the entire season not putting three wins together. Yeah. And then suddenly they put five, six, seven together. Like I said, if it's if that's the way it finishes, it won't be just because they've just had better players. It's because something is clicked, but then every game has been different. They've won games in different ways. Say even the best examples... You look at the way that overall they performed against Arsenal and you look at the way they performed against Fulham. One was against the better side and they probably didn't even need to be that good to beat them, whereas the other one was against Fulham and they had to fight and dig in when they needed to because a lot of those players didn't have great games, but they did what they needed to do to win a game of football. You know, If you've watched both games, you know from that City experience that there will be toughness in the future to come. But if you've just seen both results, you think it's just two routine wins for City and that's why they're just going to go and win everything. But it's yeah. not the case because there's a lack of perspective about the opposition, which I hate. There's this thing too that is like people are... Maybe I've just paid too much attention to like a couple of rogue tweets I've seen on Twitter that don't really mean anything, but there's this thing that are people making out City, the underdogs. And th- th- maybe this falls into that camp from those people who yeah. do... Well, obviously, that's not the case. Yeah, it's just respectful. City are amazing. It's not an underdog. It's just, it's just respectful. City are amazing, but also they're amazing because of... like the players they've got the manager it's a, it's a sporting achievement yeah. but also it's like just saying things are difficult like we've always said this on the podcast going back years like if City have a difficult game against Southampton and everyone's like oh what's going on like, what? so you are you are allowed to say that Southampton played really well yeah. you are allowed, you're talking about strengths and Fulham and Arsenal the way that Southampton have always played against City you are always allowed to say difficult. that a yeah. Premier League team with a setup designed exactly to stop City doing what they do can be successful that is fine we are, we are saying that it's being respectful it's yeah. being realistic that doesn't mean that it's like, oh, it's so difficult yeah. to see. I did a podcast for The Athletic recently, and I was like, look, they got Brighton towards the end of the season, they got Brentford, same things you were saying. And Amy Lawrence was like, oh, yeah, poor City. She was joking. She was like, oh, yeah, poor City. I was like, I know, I'm not saying, like, City could win all of these games quite easily, but that's not football, is it's, it? Like, it's, it's, yeah. They're playing tough teams. If it, exactly. if it, if it was played they're on paper, they'd win 38 they're games. They're playing tough teams yeah. with yeah. injuries. And do people get injured at this time of the season? Yes, they do. Do they get injured this time of the season? Yes, they did. City get a few injuries, and all of a sudden there's like nothing on the bench. And then maybe then people could say, oh, yeah, well, that's why. Well, they've, they've got a small squad, but people don't want to hear it. I was at the Fulham game the other week, and they were like, loads of people getting off the bus, the city bus. And obviously people going, Phil, Phil, like Jack. But then like when Maximo Peroni got on, like Rico Lewis got off. Like, yeah, no one was shouting their names because they didn't know. And I, I said to my mate, like, ironically, like, oh, for like the best team in the world, they've got a load of players that nobody recognises. You know, as if to say, yeah. like, everyone's like, they're this big behemoth that can never lose. But look at all these guys on the bench. Like, Fulham fans don't even know who they are. Yeah. And a guy was like filming before me yeah. and, he, and, he turned, and he turned around and he went, that's because I've got like three squads, mate. Because he thought we were like on the same page. Like I was saying, like <laughs> they haven't like look at these people getting off. Did you say behemoth or behemoth? Yeah, I, I, I said. I, I, I was behemoth. I was supposed to say behemoth. Behemoth or I, behemoth? Is it behemoth? I was gonna. Yeah, that was what I was trying to say. But I know I said behemoth. You th- a couple of you threw it out there just in general. If you're not sure, mate, never. No, no, I was sure. I was sure, but I just it was like I was trying to because I've got the kind of tendency to like drop. H's in words like that so, so if, I, so what if I just dropped it all together it might have just come out like even more incomprehensible than what I did sound like so what is it I would have said like if I'd have said it in the full flow with it's my accent I'd have just gone like Beemoth 
but I know it's not that. But I, I didn't want to do that, so I, I added in the H and then put the emphasis. I hope on this. I hope this stays in because yeah, this will be the thing that gets the most chatter amongst the <laughs> listeners. Everything be, else yeah, we yeah. said irrelevant, but it's this behemoth. I know it's behemoth. I, I, I grew, I grew up right. watching. I grew up watching Robot Wars where it was called Bearmoth, and I, I that's how I said it for years, and it's right. just wrong. What, was, was that one of the robots? <laughs> it was one of the robots. That's how Craig Charles said it, right? Yeah. Well, there we go. That's that's brought that's that cleared up. Yeah. Gaz Brady's been in touch to say, uh, with the training and playing schedule and routine being important, is it difficult for a young player to yo-yo between youth games and senior training if games don't align? Mm, is it difficult? Not really, no. I don't think so. Because, firstly, not every youth player is going to be training with the first team anyway. And when they do, um, you know, they're actually quite excited about it. The whole point of being at the academy is to be with the first team at some point. So maybe you don't get in the sort of like consistent flow of training with your own players. But, you know, would you rather be training with the 21s to get ready for a game against Blackburn? Or would you rather train with City for two days in the build-up to them playing against Real Madrid? You're probably going to lean in towards the Real Madrid one. It's a chance that... That'll and they fly it. now as well, don't they? Because the squads are so big because they can just take a couple. Yeah, I think that'll... For me, I think I'd prefer that. And, you know, it's it's not... It's not perfect, but like I say, you're supposed to be feeding the first team. Yeah. It's not its own separate team, separate entity where the two don't cross over. Like People would much rather not train with the 21s and train with City's first team than they would do spend all the time with City's 21s. Because the thing is, the more time you spend with 21s across the years, the less likely that there is that you'll be playing for the first team or having a career as such. So, yeah, the sooner you can get out of there, I think the better. One of the things I know the City improved on recently, because obviously in recent years, with Foden, Black Hole Palmer... They've played with, well, they've trained with the first team all week. 
not so much Foden, but others. And then they've gone and played under 23s at the weekend. And then on Monday, they've gone back in and trained with the first team. Didn't, so, like, didn't Palmer earlier this season come on for the first team oh, and then play? Yeah, that was, was that yeah. this season or last season? But it definitely season. happened. Yeah. Let's say Cole Palmer, for example, he doesn't get the analysis of that game against like Leicester's under 23s or whatever. Because he's gone back in on Monday morning. And he's in the analysis sessions with like, this is what Gundogan did at the weekend. This is what De Bruyne did at the weekend. But in the last couple of years, when Carlos Vicens, one of the coaches, moved up from being the under-18s coach to work with Guardiola's first team, that was that is with a first-team brief. But also, he's very good at looking after the young players too. And so on like a Monday morning, he'll go over their actual performances. So they do, they do still actually learn from what they did. But then they go out and train in. And they've got that in mind, but they're doing it against yeah, like good, yeah. Bernardo Silva or Riyad Mahrez. So that's one thing that kind of City adapted in the last few years to kind of help them develop a bit further, which others thought might be interesting. Mm. Yeah. So does it, I mean, from the step up from youth football to senior football, obviously like for City and for Guardiola, it's it's one of those things, he'd like, it takes a lot of trust for him to put the young players in. And we've seen it a lot this season that, mm. that games get to... 70, 80 minutes and fans are going, well, get him on, get him on and like he, he doesn't, he puts... Well, yeah, he won't even, like, yeah. he won't even want to change the game to bring on like Phil Foden yeah. or why well, anyone like Mares, um, Alvarez. I personally don't perceive that to be a problem though. No, no, it's not. No, I'm not, I'm not suggesting it is. Yeah, because I know some people... Because he likes the game. That's the thing, that's one of those countercultural things with Guardiola that people say, why doesn't he make subs? And like, I've asked him about it before and he doesn't like me asking, but I'm not, I'm not criticising. I want your answer. Because mm. then instead of me going, why didn't this guy make subs? He should have done this, should have done that. If I go, actually, this is what Pep Guardiola said about it. You can read that and you can make your own minds up. That is his viewpoint. Like, he doesn't want to risk, if he feels like the, the game's under control, even if it's not going particularly well, but the other team aren't really counter-attacking. And he's just kind of relying on, well, if we keep making those passes, if we, if we keep doing this properly, we'll get a goal here. Famous phrase that people say about substitutes is, he changed the game or he wants to change the game. Guardiola doesn't really want to change the game. He wants yeah. the game to stay how it is, but just improve a bit. Yeah. And he's not going to risk somebody coming on and not being up to the speed of the game. And that's what I'm saying is that's with like professionals who he fully trusts. And then the element of like bringing on... like That Leicester game a few weeks ago when they were 3-0 up at half-time and he made changes because they had Bayern Munich. There's no way if it wasn't such a big game next he would have made those subs because I think even at 3-0, he's thinking, this game isn't done yet. Yeah, Even with the... It's yeah, never done yet. exactly. And even with the full team out there. And then you think, how high must that bar be to put a kid on in this? To then clear that for a kid, yeah. Whether it's coming on in a game or, or even like starting a game. And that's why you've seen like with Foden, they have to be like exceptional. And Cole Palmer is really, really good. But, you know, this season, not not been quite so good. Maybe lacked a bit of confidence, le- less, a few opportunities after the injury last season. And you've seen like his kind of reputation has diminished a bit, but he's still like really, really good to get those opportunities. James McAtee, we might see in future. Rico Lewis we're seeing but it's like he's not Guardiola always says this and he's not even like trying to do it for PR or whatever like he's not doing these as a favour because they're from Manchester it's because they're really good but that gap between the experience that Guardiola wants the ability to handle big moments and you know like this is it now so if let's say there would have been time for 2-0 up earlier in the season hypothetical game home game against let's say Southampton 2-0 up 20 minutes to go oh why don't you bring on Cole Palmer right because he's always thinking well if they score because they, they've had a couple of counter-attacks. Jeopardy nice. And yeah. then if it goes to 2 all, you think at the time, well, that's not going to happen, but he's always thinking that might happen. But then now in this title race, not only do they need to go and get more points to go along against, they need even more. You know, even after they beat Arsenal the other week, they still need to go and win the points to overtake them. Yeah. They've dropped points earlier in the season. And Guardiola's like, whether it's like ultra-safe or ultra-paranoid or whatever, like there's just that margin of, I need these guys to know exactly what they're doing and not put a foot wrong. And unfortunately, unless you've played 
so many games. Like yeah. at the top level, you're not really coming on in those circumstances. You need to be like four, five nil up. But then it's the old thing, isn't it? Like anyone applying for a job, oh, we didn't give you it. Why? Need more experience. It's like, well, how am I going to get experience? Yeah. <laughs> but, that, but that's just how it is. Yeah, every it's the cliche that every game at this stage is a cup final mm. because it essentially is. Because if you lose one, then you might lose everything. If they would have lost a league game after Arsenal would have won or whatever, then the title might be done. If they lose in the FA Cup final, that's done. If you lose to Real Madrid badly in Madrid, then maybe that tie's done. Yeah, definitely no trouble talk then. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but I've got to say though, tell me what you think about this, yeah, because I think this culture of substitutions and stuff, firstly, like, why do you make a change at 60 minutes? Why do people feel at 60 there's a change that needs to be made, yeah? Yeah, I don't know. And also, when players are being trained to be as fit as they are, they're being trained to play 90 minutes, yeah? So why do we almost just assume that somebody's just going to get taken off at like 60, 75? Because as a pro as well, surely you want to just play a full game of football. And whether things are going well, going badly, you kind of want to stay on. But then still it's like, oh, they need to make a sub now. Like, hey, mate, like no, the, the number of five-a-side teams I've played in where someone can't run yeah. and will not come off because they don't want to come I off. Do, I do find it really weird. And then when we talk about substitutions and stuff, we always talk about attackers, we never talk about defenders. You know what I mean? Like an attacker, we'll see standard, oh yeah, Mara's going to come on now, come off now, Foden's going to go on, or Haaland's going to come off and Alvarez is going to go on or whatever. But you never say, oh, like Ruben Diaz is going to go off. So clearly like the 90 minutes itself is not like the most drastic thing in the world. So then why do we find it weird when all of a sudden a player that's capable of playing 90 minutes plays 90 minutes yeah. like freaks people out like what are you thinking what, what was, what's going on there well just let my players play a game of football <laughs> do you know what I mean I think if you choose to start someone the aim is the aim should always be that you want them to play 90 to finish, minutes yeah. yeah but does it not I mean as a player on the pitch you've talked about this before Guardiola I, I think it was the Leicester game where he brought we took Fernandinho off and brought uh, Liam de on. Where Which is it, the maddest thing he's ever done. Yeah, it sends a signal to the other players on the pitch. So, for instance, the, oh, yeah. the game I always think of is uh, in the title running with Liverpool a few years ago. They beat Burnley when Aguero scored by about four millimetres. Mm. And last 10 minutes, he brought stones on and they went to a back five. And it's that sort of, oh, we are backs to the wall now, are we? Is that, is that the, the kind of mentality change that's going on? Does that, does that send a ripple across the rest of the team? Yeah, but well, yes and no. Yes and no. I think when, when a manager, because Mancini used to do this all the time, in the last 10 minutes of a game, he'd always bring on another centre-back and we'd go to like five at the back. He used to love doing that. And it is the acceptance that like, you just, you've got something, let's hold on to it. Mm. But Guardiola's not really like that. You know, like he might do it, but you wouldn't expect him to do it unless the team's really suffering. And what does it take for City to be really suffering to the point where they need an extra defender on? Like, he might tweak something in midfield. And, like, for the other side of it, where you talk about the lap coming on for Fernandinho, I, I don't know what message that is, apart from, like, we've just taken off one of the most experienced players and we brought on somebody who we don't That's really so know. so weird. Yeah, like, that doesn't make sense. And he must have had a thought or whatever, but... I mean, it made sense to him. I I'll ask that's him about key. that next time. That'll go down well. <laughs> yeah, that's, obviously that's the key. But not every substitution sets the tone because within any game, like individuals can be having their own sort of like performance, whether it's good, bad, indifferent or whatever. But then the link-ups and stuff that are going well, like say Kyle Walker always seems to play with Morris, for example, and he maybe plays better with them because they link up quite well. But if you see Morris coming off and it's for Phil, like Phil's incredible, but maybe that partnership isn't the same isn't as it is with yeah. Morris. And it's not a negative substitution, but it affects the flow of it just that bit differently. You know, whether you're taking off like Rodri and putting on Calvin Phillips, or whatever, like they're both technically sixes, but it's different. And maybe Rodri has a good relationship with Bernardo Silva, where that's like a key to, you know, whereas for Calvin, maybe he links up with someone else differently. There's so much. Or like, maybe he just hasn't got it because he's new. 
there's so much stuff that's just like different you know what I mean even the kanji playing as a righty on the left hand side like there's so much that you can do that could change everything and the manager picks a team according to what he believes is best in any game and some people step out there and a defender's only coming off if they're basically dying you know what I mean mm. but it's weird an attacker is like gets to 70 everyone's like oh, a round of applause this is where you should come off now like why they're fine just let them play injured or hooked for having had rings run around it's the first legs thing though isn't it like it's just where you, if the defender's never come off then what is that then the, the, the legs not matter tired. Yeah, no, defenders, just, defenders don't work as hard fabric of the game though, yeah, right? maybe, maybe everyone expects subs on 60 minutes as well because it's like get to half time see how it goes and goes oh we'll give it 15 minutes but what's significant what's, 15 minutes yeah what, what yeah, a waste of 15 if it's not going right what a waste of 15 yeah, minutes it's like. just, I'm just throwing theories out there yeah and also what I um what I struggle with as well and this is what I found with England in the past like a lot of people always say oh after a game someone should have made a substitution but then a substitution is great that you've got great players sitting behind you on the bench but you're also having to take off a really good player as well on the other side and with that say when France were in the World Cup final Mbappe was having just as bad a game as Giroud and Dembele was I think in the final mm. just as bad but they made a choice to keep him on in the hope that maybe you'll find something better you know what I mean? So when it's like that and you've got players on the field who aren't necessarily as good as Mbappe, but very, very good players. Say, I think it was against Madrid last year where Kevin was having a nightmare, basically, in the Bernabeu. It's like, do you pull him? Ah, oh, it's a weird one. If you Anfield pull off Kevin. as well that season. Yeah, like, do you pull Kevin? That's a weird one, isn't it? Because of what he could do. Like, as a manager, it's such a big call. It's such a big call taking somebody off because I know somebody on the bench has real quality someone on the field even though they're not playing at their absolute best that's not their ceiling they've got quality it's not quite there yet but also the player on the bench isn't up to speed of the game they're not in the rhythm be up to the speed of the game like we talk out both sides of our mouth with this because we're saying people on the field are tired (laughs) but then someone on the bench is fresh but still they're not the ones that are up to speed but you think they'd be on for benefit because they're not as tired Again, it's it's just pure emotion because... I mean, even Guardiola does that, though. I'm sure he has given that reason. Have you never experienced that, then? You've been brought on and you go, OK. The only thing about being brought on, if I'm being brought on as a defender, it means you're holding on to something. So it means your team's on the back foot. And you're going to be doing a lot of work. Yeah, it's very rare that you're being brought on as a defender and your team's just chilling. It's yeah. the easiest game ever. So you know that you're coming on for like a crisis, more or less. I think attackers... Which you kind of relish as a defender anyway, right? To a certain extent, but it's because the game's getting out of hand. Like, if you're coming on as a defender for someone that's not a defender, it literally must be carnage, you know what I mean? Like, you're just going to go out there <laughs> and just try and just head kick block everything. Passes. Yeah, no, you're not You're not there to, like, be a footballer. You're there to just be a war, more or less. But then um, uh, I remember playing against Chelsea 2006, I think it was, and I just had a, thought, a decent 60 minutes against um, Damien Duff. And then uh, the board went up and Iron Robin was coming on. Like, oh. just, who's, who's in the advantage there? Me having just done 60 with uh, Duff or Robin coming on with fresh legs? Because you say up to speed with a game, but you can, you can set the speed yourself because you're someone with a higher capacity at that yeah. point. You know, there's, there's a lot to there's it. There's a psychology coming into it as well then because I bet you're thinking, oh man. Oh, for God's sake, man. Like, nobody deserves that. But still, that's basically the city experience now. You know what I mean? Like, one person yeah, yeah, comes yeah, off yeah. the next person. It's like, ah, he's, he's all right. This guy can play a bit, yeah. Was that at the Etihad or Stamford Bridge? That was at the Etihad. I think we lost that one because that was my second season. The first season was when Anelka scored and beat them 1-0. Um, their only loss for the whole season, by yeah. the way. But yeah, the next year, it's like, it's just, this doesn't seem right, but still, such is life. I can't remember why I've just remembered this, but I remember, because that was Mourinho's first defeat in England. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. And the City fans were singing to him, that coat's from Matalan. <laughs> seems a bit harsh. Yeah. Seems to have done a bit in his time, <laughs> but yeah, he, he did all right, I think. He did all right. 
And that's it for the first episode of Let Me Talk Details. Thank you very much for listening and for getting in touch. If you'd like to send in a question for future episodes, you can reach us on all of our social channels and you can email hello at lmtpod.com. If you'd like a little more, Sam, uh, there's uh, more for members, isn't there? Yeah, so if you are a member, and I'm not just saying this to get you to subscribe and think it's not true, genuinely, the bit where Nadam suggested there's a Liverpool player who believes that there's (laughs) an anti-Liverpool media bias, that does come up. So if you want to subscribe to that, well, you'll definitely get your money's worth, I think. So yeah, give that a try. All the useful links are in the episode description and over on lmtpod.com. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app. You can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with Code Program for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com. Code Program.